Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled, Just Walk Across the Room. In this series, we learn how to invest and invite others to the gospel and therefore engage in life's greatest mission, sharing the love of Christ. May God bless you today as you enjoy this week's message. We are glad that you are here. Uh, I want to go ahead and just tell you about a few very, very important things just to kind of um, frame the, the day because on the back end of the service today, uh, we really just want to have a moment where we're worshiping God and thinking about what's most important in the life of this church. So, first of all, there is a uh, splash party this afternoon, 6 p.m. on the patio. We're going to be having games for kids, food, maybe some games for adults if you want to get in a bounce house or go down a slide or something like that. And then we're going to be uh, baptizing students and believers. That is today, 6 o'clock. You do not want to miss that. Tomorrow night, vision night right here. If you are a leader or a volunteer in this church and uh, you like leadership development or you like vision or you like all the above or you want to get involved, come out tomorrow night. That is at 7 p.m. And the last thing I would say to this group here today is uh, if you get the newsletter, you know that uh, I communicated something about this um, this past week. And that is just want to let you know that we have other venues where you might consider worshiping because we are heading into one of our greatest growth seasons in the life of the church. The fall is always crazy. And here it is August and we are you know, for all practical purposes, full up in this service. So we have a coffee house worship environment upstairs taking place right now during this hour. In fact, that's where Pastor Fuller is. And just encourage you, if, if you want a smaller, more intimate environment, it is a great campus. Just went up there and they are just worshiping God up there today. Same message, same everything. Um, or just encourage you to think about, would you just pray about and think about um, the possibility of this fall committing to one of the afternoon worship celebrations, which are at 4.30 and uh, 2.30 and 4.30, 2.30 and 4.30, um, just creating greater space at this service. And I'm telling you guys, when this message is done, try to make yourself remember that, that ask. Because at the end of this message today, asking you to think about giving up your seat for a guest will take on a whole new level of significance. Lastly, I just want to go and tell you, I'm going to um, sit down a lot today. For those of you who follow me on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, I, I had arthroscopic surgery on my knee uh, Monday. Um, nothing significant really happened. This is an old injury that goes all the way back to high school when I was a senior. I played high school basketball. Uh, messed up my leg, ACL damage, all that stuff. I didn't get anything done to the ACL. I had some meniscal damage. And so they just went in arthroscopic surgery. I had a little flap of my meniscus coming into my knee. I love to run. And so it's been limiting my running. And so I uh, had it done on Monday. So I'm going to stay put today. And if you're new around here, that's not normal. The regulars can tell you I like to go all over this stage. And so I want the regulars and the believers in the house to pray that I will keep my rear end on this seat. Okay? Can you pray that? Because I got to go all day long and uh, I, need, I, need to, I need to pace myself. So just pray that I get slain in the spirit, whatever, and that I stay right here. Amen? We'll see if that happens. 
I've got a question for you. And it's a big one. And I know you always give me a lot of dialogue and you always answer questions back to me. Today on this question, I don't even want you to answer it out loud. I'm going to ask you a huge, ginormous question with eternal significance that I want you to answer just between you and the Lord. I want you to wrestle with it. I'm going to let it hang in the air for a moment. Get out your teaching notes. Grab your pen. Answer this question for me. Do you believe there is a heaven and a hell and that Jesus Christ determines whether or not a person goes there? Breathe on that one for a moment, okay? And don't answer too quickly. Don't just nod. Don't necessarily go with a knee-jerk reaction. I'm asking you literally, do you believe there is a heaven and there is a hell? And that Jesus Christ determines whether or not a person goes there. Welcome to a brand new series today, Just Walk Across the Room. And it's, a, it's an old series. In fact, Bill Hybels, pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, did this series and wrote a book uh, about a decade ago. And it's called Just Walk Across the Room. We're not using much of it at all in terms of Sunday worship. But the book is still golden. The rest of it's kind of outdated. But the book is golden. We have it in the Resource Center today. Just Walk Across the Room. We're going to be spending three weeks talking about this one subject. And if you want my opinion, it really does determine everything about the church. Like, if we don't believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and I realize, listen, I, I read the data, I read the stats, I, really, I, I realize we're in the 21st century, postmodern America, some of you, I realize some of you might be here, and you might love God, and you might love the church, or you might just be checking it all out, or you might be here because somebody drug you here, but you might honestly not believe there's a heaven and a hell. But if there is no heaven and hell and Jesus doesn't determine whether someone goes there, it's my humble opinion that we should just close up the church and go home. But if there is a heaven and there is a hell, it changes everything we do as a church. And here, here's the reality. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll get down in a moment, sorry. It's hard, it's hard. Here's the reality. Many people say they believe there is a heaven and a hell, but everything about their life communicates something different. Some of you would even say, hey, I believe there's a heaven and a hell, and I even believe Jesus Christ determines whether or not a person goes there. But our lives sometimes don't match up with that. In fact, I think there's often a huge disconnect. There's a disconnect in the church between people who say they believe that, yet, listen, everything about their life doesn't communicate that reality. Think about it this way. If there is a heaven and there is a hell, and Jesus, and only Jesus, determines whether someone goes there, how much do you have to literally hate someone 
Or how much do you have to literally not care about someone to not live your life in such a way that you're introducing them to Jesus or his church? Like, have you ever thought about that? I mean, let, let that set into the room. I mean, there's going to be tension up in here today, and tension is good. I want there to be a lot of tension in the room today. Everybody, anybody else okay with tension? Okay, tension's good. Tension's your friend. If, if I really believe that and I don't live my life in such a way that it introduces directly or indirectly the people with whom I rub shoulders with to the gospel of Jesus Christ and His church, which is the hope of the world, what I am really saying in reality is you can go straight to hell and I don't care. Penn Frazier is an American illusionist, comedian. He is a very popular, best-selling author. He's also an advocate for atheism, scientific skepticism, libertarianism, and free market capitalism. The dude's got all kinds of agendas. Maybe you know of this guy. Maybe you've seen him. Maybe you don't know until you see this video I'm about to show you. But Penn Frazier, Gillette, was actually doing a speaking engagement. When the speaking engagement was over, a Christ follower came up to him and had a conversation with him. Now remember, Frazier is an atheist, a proud atheist. But I want you to watch, I believe, one of the most profound videos that ever hit YouTube. And I want you to watch this. And as you watch it, I want you to continue to think about, do I believe there's a heaven and a hell? And that Jesus Christ determines who goes there. And when you get to about the three-minute mark of this video, listen closely to what he says about Christians who believe and they don't reach out and tell people. Check it out. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position after I was old on big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, or the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. We had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, 
thought I said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. A little book about this big, this thick. You know. I know y'all aren't laughing at an atheist. They said I wrote in the front of it. <laughs> and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like your show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Interesting, isn't it? Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell and that Jesus Christ determines whether or not someone goes there? Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, it's in the New Testament. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Bible, maybe you're an atheist, maybe you're here. I'm glad you're here. Atheists might not know whether Psalms is in the New Testament or not. And that's okay, right? Why should an atheist know where the book of Psalms is, right? 
And you might not, and that's okay. So if you have your Bible and you don't know where it is, just open it up in the middle. You'll get to about the Psalms. By the way, that's the Old Testament. Take a right. You'll eventually get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is in the Gospel. Luke chapter 5. Let's stand in honor of God's Word. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. He saw on the water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, I've told you before that fishing is the only biblically endorsed sport. Can I get an amen from the fishermen in the house or the fisherwomen? Any fisherwomen in the house? Yeah! It's the only sport in the Bible. I was speaking at a leadership conference not long ago and I said that and some pastors cornered me. They took offense at it. And one pastor said, I beg your pardon, baseball is endorsed in the scripture. I said, oh yeah, where? He said, in Genesis 1, where it says, in the beginning. <laughs> you actually chuckled harder than I did. I, I was like, bro, is that the best you have? And then another guy, another pastor said, hey, he's wrong. It's actually golf. Any golfers in the house? Woohoo! He said, it's golf. He said, Paul says, I have finished the fight. I have run the course. I know I fought the good fight. I have finished the what? Course. No, the course. Finished the course in some translations. And I thought that's not too good either. So it is emphatically clear that fishing is the only sport in the Bible. Amen? Yeah, yeah you don't, you're not really sure. Neither am I. Okay, check it out. They were washing their nets. Verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, side note, for those fishermen in the house, you can attest to this. Fishermen do not like to receive advice. Let alone after we've been skunked. You know what I mean? And so they haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, hey, go on out there a little bit further into the deep water. Throw your nets out. And Peter's like, Jesus, we fished all night long. But because it's you, Master, I will do that. When they had done so, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Verse 7, so they signaled to their partners in the boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for what church? You'll fish for what church? So they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything. And they followed him. Father, would you take our minds, think through them today, take our hearts. Oh, God, take our hearts. Fill with them. I I ask you to break our hearts, God, for what breaks yours. 
Speak through these lips, Father God, for if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Can't you imagine Jesus? He probably laughs as he tells them to throw the net out into the deep. I know he had to chuckle at the image of of Peter and and James and all those guys trying to pull the net and the net ripping and it being so many fish in the net that the boat is sinking. And this passage thrust a key point to us that I want to get to right in the very beginning of this message, and this is it. Listen, it thrust to us the challenge, are you going to live your life for the small perch of this world, or are you going to live your life for people? Jesus is saying, listen, you guys are getting so excited about six-inch perch. I want you to come follow me, and we're going to catch six tall people. These guys were ecstatic. This was their livelihood. This meant they were going to eat for a long time. This meant they were going to go to the market and make a lot of money. And Jesus says, you think that is something. If you will follow me, you'll catch people instead of perch. And your life will then count For something eternally significant. I want to throw this question at you today. I'm just throwing some questions your way for you to wrestle with them. Are you going to throw your one and only life into pursuing small fish? Or will you risk tossing your nets out there in anticipation of catching real live human beings? That's a big question. I believe the passage thrust our way. Hey, what are the small perch of this world? Come on, let's just talk about it for a moment. What are the small perch of this world? Well, let's just, I know what they are. You do too. Small perch stuff. Not, not unimportant stuff, but small perch stuff. Where I'm going to live. My educational degrees. Where I'm going to go to school. My vocation. The size of the house that I live in. The size of the automobiles that I drive. Again, nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves, but beloved, I'm here to tell you that's small perch stuff. That's that's small perch stuff. What Jesus and a life radically devoted to him goes after is not the small perch stuff of the world. It's actually people. In fact, write this in. This is the first thing I want to talk to you about today. The first thing, the priority is people. If you're a Christ follower, the priority is people. Hopefully you've taken out those teaching notes, grabbed that pen in front of you. The priority is what, church? It's people. If you are a Christ follower or you're considering becoming a Christ follower, you need to know that life at its best is all about people. Can I get an amen? It's all about people. Prioritizing people. Just walking across the room is all about understanding that the most important thing you can do with your life from sun up to sundown is to impact people. Did you hear me? Just walking across the room is sending that text to that person. Just walking across the room is actually just walking across the street and serving and blessing a neighbor who might not know Christ and is facing a Christless eternity. 
Just walking across the room is loving on that person that you work with that gets on your last nerves. Come on now. Just walking across the room is loving and serving that family member who is all jacked up and that you regret seeing every holiday season. Listen, beloved, every family has a jacked up person. Every, every family has a super capital D dysfunctional person. You're like, nah, Pastor, you don't know my family. If you think that you don't have one in your family, beloved, the clue phone is ringing for you. You are probably it. <laughs> it's you. That's why you came today. <laughs> That's why you came, man. You, you can leave now if you want. The vision of our church. What is it, church? Bless me. Again. Again. See, I love that. I didn't have to say a word. Reach what? Reach what? People. Teach who? People. Release who? What? People. It's all about people. And if you haven't figured it out, everything in this 21st century culture is moving us away from prioritizing people. Have you noticed this? Go to a gas station. When I was a kid, you go to a gas station, beloved, you got to walk in and pay somebody. You got to actually talk to a human being to get gas. Now you don't. You just roll on up there and what do you do? Swipe your card. Now come on, how many of you love that? Be honest. I'm raising my hand. I love that, man. I get hacked off if the card machine's not working. Yeah, come on, anybody else with me? So, so because of that, though, I've got to be aware of the fact that everything in our culture is moving away from relationships and prioritizing people. Online shopping. Who loves some online shopping, ladies? Woo! Get you some of that. You can do it on your PJs and a cup of coffee. And click, 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 click. Come on now. Love that, right? Right? All these things that are moving, buying movie tickets. All these things that we love, but let us understand that everything about our culture is moving us away from prioritizing people and building relationships. So Christ followers like you and me, if you're here and you know Christ today, you have to understand that that is what's going on in our culture and you have to resist it and you have to move toward people. It's about prioritizing people. You say, well, give me some more. Give me, where, where do you get all that from? Give me the scripture. Guys, I can walk you through the whole Bible and show you case after case after case. It's all about people. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What's that about? God, people. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's that about? God and people. Right? Luke 19.10, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. What's it about? People. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus' final words. Don't you think he was going to say something really important for his final words? Here you go. Go into all the world and make disciples. It's all about people. And God is calling the church that's why I'm so excited about this series. I really believe this series is going to recalibrate our church, if you will, get us back on focus, get us back on mission, going to set the trajectory for the future of this church so that we are about the Father's business, and the Father's business is always about reaching people. 
just walk across the room. People matter to God, and therefore they matter to us. Say that with me. People matter to God, and therefore they matter to us. One more time, out loud, church. People matter to God, and therefore they matter to us. The priority is people. Here's the second thing, moving right along. The process is invest and invite. Write in the word invest and invite. The process is invest and invite. It's what? Invest and invite. See, the reason there's tension in the room, and I, got it, I, got, I intentionally got tension in the room in the moment I started talking about reaching people, the reason there's tension in the room right now, and we might as well call a spade a spade and acknowledge it, is the moment I start talking about reaching people, you think about a word that starts with a E, which is evangelism, and you think, oh my Lord, I do not want to be like some of those people. Come on, come on. I'm with you. I am so with you. Like, I've seen the big-haired TV evangelists. God, help us. Have you gotten up at 2 o'clock in the morning recently and cut on the TV? Oh, my Lord. Right? And you don't have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's positioned right near New Hope's television time slot. I hate that. You know, I'm following some big-haired TV evangelist. Right? Right? Who, who's... who's Poor theology, who's telling people to just send in your money, who's saying, I'm going to send you a sweat cloth, ha! <laughs> and if I send you a sweat cloth, ha! Get ready because, ha! You're going to get money in your, ha! Mailbox. <laughs> I got a big theological word for that baloney. And whether it's a TV evangelist or whether it's the Bible-thumping preacher on the corner of the intersection that you've seen, and so have I. And I look at that and I'm like, I, I, I don't want to be an evangelist if that's what evangelist means. Can I just be honest? I, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Or you're a student here. We've got a lot of students up in here. Have you seen and experienced who they call the pit preacher at the University of North Carolina? Whether it's those kind of examples or whether it's what happened to my wife and I back in the spring when we went to the Final Four championship basketball game. We're walking up to the stadium with hundreds of thousands of people. It is so awesome. I've this bucket list, bucket list item. I've never been there. I was so excited about going. And we're walking up and there was a group of about 15 Christians who had to be barricaded by the police so they didn't get hurt from all the highly inebriated people, i.e. drunks. And the Christians are sitting there with big neon signs that's written all kinds of messages. I can't remember them all, but one of them was, Soldiers will burn in hell. Homosexuals rot and die. By the way, a sermon series is coming here in September. I've already got it on the calendar. From that one instance, God has led me to do a sermon series here called The Separation of Church and Hate. 
because I'm walking up to the game and these guys are, and their blood vessels are popping out of their necks and they're yelling at drunk basketball fans and drunk basketball fans are getting ready to take them out and I'm walking with my wife and I'm sorry, but I, I said, honey, I can't. She goes, she was trying to pull me. I said, Amy Lynn, back away. And I, had, I went over there and had a talk with them. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, 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 I had a talk with them. And, and they were yelling, and I kept going. Pss, 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 pss. And finally, one of them stopped for a moment. He dropped his neon sign down. He came over to me, and I said, bro, this ain't working. I said, I said, I said, I said look at these people. You're not drawing them any closer to God. And I want to tell you more and more of the story, but I'll save it. It's coming in September. Separation of church and hate. And the reason there's tension in this room is because the moment I start talking to you and me about reaching people, we get these jacked up images in our mind of these wacky Christians who are supposedly evangelizing. And we're thinking, we don't want anything to do with that. And I'm right there with you. And could it be that our response should not be to say, well, I'm not talking to anybody about Jesus. I'm not going to reach out. I'm not going to be. Should it be that that should not be our response? But our response should be instead, we're going to show the world a more sane, sensitive, and gracious way to reach them for Jesus. See, guys, if we, if we just need your reaction, and, and then, like I do, I'm guilty of this. I don't even like to use the E word anymore, the evangelism word. I don't even, I, I, I shy away from it. I, take, I, I call it outreach. Just let's don't use that word. It's a four-letter word, right? But if we stop caring for people, and if we don't invest and invite, which I'm getting ready to unpack for you, here's what happens. Hell gets more populated. Heaven decreases. And the kingdom of our Lord, we lose. If we let bad examples, bad models of reaching out, if we let them win the day. So I want to talk to you about invest and invite. Invest in what? Invest and invite. It's the process of invest and invite. I'm going to make it as practical as I possibly can. We've been doing this for 12 years. Some of you are new. This is going to be new language for you. Invest and invite is the biblical approach. It's the biblical approach of believers investing in people who are far from God and inviting them to Christ and or his church so that together we can reach, teach, and release. Do you get it? I'm going to ask them to go back so we can read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Invest and invite is the biblical approach of believers investing in people who are far from God and inviting them to Christ and or his church so that together we can do what? Reach, teach, and release. There it is, church. It's just about investing in people. It's just about caring for people. It's just about keeping people the priority and, and, and making a move toward people. 
It's about sending the text. It's about making the phone call. It's about delivering something to somebody's house when they're sick or they're in need. It's about investing in them, but not just investing in the relationship. When the Spirit of God moves, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, you then invite them, listen closely, listen closely, to Christ and or His church. Because here's what I know about a lot of you. The moment I start talking to you about talking to someone about Jesus, you freeze up. I mean, like, there's a small group of you. The studies would say it'd be about this, this many people right here. That's all. Small group of you who are here, and you love to talk to somebody about Jesus. I mean, you can talk about Jesus. That group say, Jesus. Jesus. See? See? <laughs> See? You, I mean, you can talk to someone about Jesus. And God bless you. Thank God for you, right? And I'm with you. I can do that. I'm comfortable with that. But the rest of you, it freaks you out. And so the invest and invite strategy, listen, makes it very easy for the rest of you to actually extend an invitation to Jesus' church. And all of us can invite somebody to the church. Are you with me? And I'm not talking about New Hope Church. If this is your church, yeah, I'm talking about New Hope. But if you're like here visiting or you go to another church, as long as it is a Bible-believing, Jesus-exalting church, invite them to any church. But the invest and invite strategy enables us. And I'm not even, you know, I'm kind of torn a little bit. I think talking to them about Jesus is definitely effective and faithful and, and, and all of that. But I'm also of the mindset today, particularly in the 21st century, I believe one of the most effective ways to actually make an eternal difference in the life of someone is to actually invite them to the church. Because it is here at the church, listen, where we partner together and you and I are in it together, and the pathfinders in the parking lot are in it together, and the first contact, and the children's ministry, and the student ministry, and the worship, and the word, and it all works more holistically. I've always said, you get them here, I'll offer them Jesus. There's something about with the church when it's, when it's working right. It is the greatest evangelistic tool on the planet. And so to do that, though, you've got to be willing to enter the unknown zone. Write it in. You've got to be willing to enter the unknown zone. That's that zone, guys, when you extend the invitation and you don't know how they're going to respond. You know what I'm talking about, guys? I was on a plane one time and I started talking to the person beside me with Jesus, about Jesus. And I was in the unknown zone and I realized very quickly it was not going well. And I had eight hours to fly by this person. I got out of the unknown zone pretty quickly. I'm not here saying to you that every time you bring up the name of Jesus, someone's going to just fall out and say, tell me more, tell me more. So I've got to be real with you. You've got to be willing to enter the unknown zone. You've got to be willing to extend the invitation to Jesus or the church. And you don't know how they're going to respond. But I've learned that it's in the unknown zone that God does His greatest work. Is, it, is that not true? It's in the unknown zone of our lives where God shows up, struts His stuff, and does His greatest work. Can I get an amen? Here, here's, here's, the, here's the second thing you've got to be willing to do. You've got to listen for the Spirit's promptings. You've got to listen for the Spirit's promptings. Those of you who walk with Christ, you learn to hear His voice. I talked about this last week, knowing God intimately and knowing God's voice and following Him. Once you learn to listen for the Spirit's promptings, you follow His promptings, and then you see God do His greatest 
work. I want to tell you a praise story and a sad story about this. Here's the praise story. Three weeks ago on the way back from vacation, we stopped by our new Columbia campus. I took the campus pastor, Aaron McClurg, and his wife, and Dustin and Emily, took them to dinner. So we're sitting at dinner at an Arizona steakhouse is what it was called. The waitress came up. I felt the spirit prompting me to say something to her. I didn't say it the first time she came to the table. The second time, I said it. I invited her to New Hope Church. I said, we're about to launch a brand new campus in Columbia, South Carolina. We would love to have you. She lit up. She will be at that church I'm almost certain, but here's how I, I know she would be at that church, is if a few other New Hopers went into that restaurant. And then I didn't necessarily say, hey, if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? <laughs> but if a few other New Hopers went in there and just, just shed the love of Christ, just spread it abroad, and invited her to come to that new campus. That's the good story. Here's the sad story. After I preached on this last service, Beautiful young woman met me down front, bawling. Because just last week, the Spirit of God was telling her to reach out to her friend who was lost and didn't know Christ, and she didn't listen to the Spirit, and the next day, her friend died. All I could do was, all I could do was hold her. All I could do was say, hey, listen, it's okay. This will shape you. God, you, you will listen to the Spirit's promptings going forward. You just learn to listen to the promptings of almighty God, okay? So the priority, if we're going to get this thing right, if we're going to walk across the room, the priority is what? People. Say it with me. People. The priority is people. The process is invest and invite. It's what? Invest and invite. Here's the third thing and I'm done. The party starts now and lasts for eternity. Did you hear me? Any party animals in the house? <laughs> We're going, to trust you. Um, you, we're going to trust you mean like Christian parties, awesome, praise God, amen, amen. See, Christians, see, the same way Christians have let the bad examples of evangelists take over, Christians sometimes let the bad examples of partying take over. Christians should be some of the most upbeat, celebratory people on the planet. Can I get an amen? You are never going to do anything for Christ significantly throughout all eternity if you walk around this world with a sourpuss look on your face, kind of Eeyore, oh, well. Right? If you're sitting beside somebody and they don't look like they've experienced the joy of the Christ, just reach over and say, hey, let your face know. Sometimes I hear people, people all the time talk about the love of God, the joy of God, the freedom of God. And I'm, I'm, you know, they, they're all God, God, God. And I want to say, yeah, that's awesome. You might want to let your face know how good it is. <laughs> like, like, guys, the party. We, Christians, when salvation happens, the Bible says that there's a party in heaven. You're like, where did you get that from? Luke chapter 15, there's three parables. The scholars call it the gospel within the gospel. Three parables. There's a parable of a lost coin. There's a parable of a lost sheep. Then there's a parable of a lost son, which we know as the prodigal son. In all three parables, the word of the Lord says when something was found, that which was lost was found, the Bible says there is a party in heaven. The actual verse is this, verse 32 of Luke chapter 15. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is what, church? The main message of that, Luke chapter 15, is that that which is lost 
is worthy of an all-out search. Did you hear me? Here's the second thrust of that parable. The second thrust of that parable is the moment it is found. The church and all of heaven celebrates. That's why we call what we're doing tonight at 6 o'clock the party on the patio. It's a party. Jesus loved to celebrate. Some of you have the wrong image of Jesus. You've got the image of God being this principal who's got a ruler who's out to zap you. Okay? Or you got this picture of God who's always got, you know, brows, proud, all messy, just angry. No, 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 no. Jesus, you know what Jesus was accused of in the Gospels? Jesus was accused of hanging around sinners, tax collectors, and drunkards. Do you know why he was accused of hanging around sinners, tax collectors, and drunkards? Because he hung around sinners, tax collectors, and drunkards. amazing to me. The religious people couldn't stand Jesus and Jesus couldn't stand the religious people. But the sinners, the people who were far from God, they loved Jesus. Don't you think that as Christ followers, the same people who love Jesus should love to hang out with us? Come on now. It's a party. You say, what's the party going to be like? I can't tell you exactly, but I can't resist this. This is not going to be on the screen. Flip over to Revelation 21. If you've got your Bibles, this is an easy book to find in the Bible. It's the last book of the Bible. <laughs> Revelation. Just take a hard right, man. Go all the way to the end. If you go past the maps and all, you're too far. <laughs> Come on back. Revelation 21. Oh, Oh, my Lord, listen to this. Then I saw a new heaven, verse 1, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down. Now, you guys might remember about a month ago I preached a message on Zion, the new Jerusalem. Remember that, new city? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 5, Amen. He was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost and from the spring of the water of life. Verse 7, those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Church, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And real people go there. And Jesus determines who goes to heaven 
and who goes to hell. And it is the task of the church, the believer, to live his or her life in such a way that they're bringing people, literally snatching people from hell into heaven. Question for you, and it's a serious question. Again, you don't have to answer it out loud. Will there be anybody in heaven when it's all said and done because of your one and only life? And like I've said, it's not as hard as you think it is. It doesn't call you to become some weird whack job. It doesn't, it doesn't cause you to be someone other than who you are. But you need to know this. The reason you're left on planet earth is because God wants to use your one and only life to bring people into heaven. Did you hear me? Like if you're saved, have you ever thought about this? Why, why doesn't God, the moment we're saved, just snatch us up to heaven? Like that'd be cool, Right? It would be easy to convert people then, man. Right? Except Jesus. For some reason, I'm going to the image of the bank, you know, the bank thing. You stick your little... Except Christ. Streets of gold, no tears. I mean, it's awesome heaven, party, celebration. Why doesn't God take us to heaven the moment we're saved? You say, well, because he wants us to stay down here and worship. Nope. Beloved, we're going to worship in heaven. Oh, some of you are like, I don't like the big church. (laughs) You're here, you're a guest, you're going, I don't like the big church. I can't wait to get out here and go back to small church. Beloved, that's cool, but if you don't like the big church, you're going to hate you some heaven. (laughs) You're going to hate heaven because you think New Hope's big. No, 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 it's going to be millions of people partying, worshiping God celebrating. So it's not, it's not so that you can worship on planet Earth. No, 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 no. You think, you think so that you can just continue to... No, no. The reason God leaves us on planet Earth after we are saved is because He wants you and I to still reach more people. If you are still sucking air... If God woke you up today and breathes into you the breath of life, if He wakes you up tomorrow and breathes into your lungs the breath of life, the reason He's leaving you on planet Earth is so that He can use you and you and you and you and everybody at all of our campuses and me to reach people for Jesus because heaven is real, heaven is real, and real people go there. And so I, I want to show you a, a, a video. I started with a video and I'm ending with a video. This is probably the most powerful video we've ever done at New Hope. You know why? Because it totally contains everything I've said to you today. It is the perfect embodiment of what it means for you and me to live with a heart where people are priority, where we invest and invite And the party of salvation kicks in here and lasts throughout eternity. There's no better vision victory than what I'm about to show you. And as you're watching it, I want you to keep thinking this to yourself. Are you listening? Think this. I can do that. Like, I can actually really and truly do this so that people end up in 
heaven saved throughout all eternity because God chose to let me live on planet earth. Watch this. Oh, unbelievable. You know, I, I got to say that as the last few months have unfolded around New Hope Church, uh, you too and the story that has unfolded has really gripped our staff. It is clear to me that this is a story, for this season anyway, that really embodies what we long to do as a church. Why don't, why don't you guys just walk us through from beginning to end? I think you guys work together. Uh, how did all of that unfold to what we saw take place Easter Sunday and then at our most recent baptism celebration? Mike, why don't you start? I started working with Mark about three years ago at the hospital. Um, you know, we were one of the few few uh, male nurses on the floor, so uh, quickly bonded that way. But um, done some military service uh, back in '98 uh, to 2004. And at the time, I was just going through, uh, just having some really bad symptoms, nightmares. I, I couldn't sleep and uh, flashbacks. And so, um, you know, I went to go see a psychiatrist, and it was pretty clear at that point that. Uh, I'd had some pretty severe post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, they started me on nine, ten different medications uh, without anything else, any talking about it or anything, and just medication after medication. You know, I kind of brought it up with Mark um, while we were working together one night, and, um, you know, he was just really supportive, and he was just, well, you know, if you need to talk, you know, uh, you know, I'm here. So what was it like for you, Mark, to, to befriend Mike and, and see this happening? It sounds like some unraveling taking place in, in front of you. Talk to us about that. That was the first time that God put a burden in my heart for him in terms of uh, the spiritual side of things. I mean, we, we had been friends, but I had, like I said, I never really had an opportunity to talk to him about Jesus. Yeah, just remember the verse that says, uh, we love because he first loved us. And you know, hearing his story and his struggles just took me back to the time when I was struggling myself and somebody reached out to me, not because they were judging me or just hammering me the truth, but they showed me love. You know, I would come home and tell my wife that, you know, there's this coworker that I really have a burden for. And I think I started praying for him. And um, and the next thing I knew, I got you know this email from our boss, and I think you can take it from here. I just I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know how to I just didn't know how to handle it. So um, unfortunately, I, I made some uh, some poor decisions, and I, I turned to uh, to narcotics. A few of my coworkers actually uh, witnessed me. Um, taking some of these narcotics at work and uh, reported me to the manager. And uh, so, you know, there I found myself in the middle of an interrogation room um, the next week and uh, had this detective just, you know, laying on me for hours. In the middle of that interview, the interrogation room, um, my mind just went blank and I heard a voice just clear as day the truth shall set you free. I stopped that interrogator mid-sentence and, uh, you know, 
I confess. I said, yeah, you know, I did it. I went home that night and, uh, you know, I was thinking about my life. And, and I just kind of stayed up all night wrestling with these issues, wrestling with these questions like, what did my life become? About 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, my phone goes off, text message. Um, it's from Mark. And it, it's just really simple, uh, mm. you know. Hey, Mike, uh, I heard you resigned. Um, that's too bad. I didn't even get to say goodbye. But if you ever want to talk, give me a call. I'm here for you. So I texted him back. I said, uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate it. I respect you. I've always respected you. Maybe I'll see you at church on Sunday. I mean, like two seconds later, I get a text back, all caps. New Hope Church, oh my God, I'll see you at 8.30, I'll meet you here. We'll get your son registered. And it's like, you can just, like you could feel his excitement coming through this text message. I came and I heard the message and uh, all I could think was, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It was the first, the first installment of that series. Yes, sir. It was what I had been searching for my whole life. Hmm. I just, I couldn't get enough. I came back the next Sunday, and just kept reading scripture, and I just kept coming back, kept coming back, and uh, I just couldn't get enough. Hmm. I just walked in here, and everything was just so relaxed. You could be yourself. Hmm. Uh, it didn't matter if you were wearing shorts and flip-flops or if you were wearing a three-piece suit. That's right. Everybody was just themselves, and they came here for one reason, to worship the Lord. Mm. And uh, everything else didn't matter. To see this movement here just just so about God and about nothing else but God uh, just completely touched me. Walk us through. I heard Easter was a significant day for you. Um... And tell us, you, you, you're a Buddhist. You were a Buddhist. Yes. You were a Buddhist. That, that probably should have come out on the front end, but it, maybe it was meant to come out now. We're talking about a, a Buddhist who, a new hoper, was investing and inviting in the workplace, in a hospital, invited you to church. You've come as a Buddhist. You're studying the Gospel of Mark. Peace is selling over your soul. Easter Sunday morning rolls around. Um... Was it, was it a defining moment where you just accepted Christ? Or was it a slow thing that was just unfolding in the weeks prior? Talk to us about that. Yeah, it was just uh, unfolding. I think at, on that Good Friday, that's when I realized that uh, God's got this. There is nothing for me to fear because God's got this. During that Easter ceremony, um, I knew I'd, I had to confess that I was turning my life over to God. Mm. And I asked him at that point uh, to enter my heart because I already knew at that point he had forgiven me of my sins. Mm. And uh, he was ready to wash me new and just and just make me a new follower in him. So you jump in, you, you, you got your <laughs> flippers on and your mask and your son, your white beak nose. Well, we took your, your mask off. I think we took your flippers off too. I, bet, I knew there was a lot of sin in your life, yeah. so I took you down to the bottom, <laughs> held you down there, and I, if I remember correctly, I actually had to pull you up. I don't know how long you could hold your breath, but you yeah. were down there, pulled you up, and, and the Bible says, again, 
that the angels in heaven rejoice mm. over one sinner Thank you, Lord. who repents. It's found throughout Luke 15, lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. The angels rejoiced when you gave your life to Christ. Now you've joined his church. The angels are rejoicing. Baptism. There's that interesting um, phrase in scripture. Scholars call it a theophany. When Jesus comes out of the water and the voice from heaven thunders and the father says, this is my son whom I am well pleased. You came out of the waters of baptism. I believe God would be declaring over you, this is, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. Mike, you're a part of the New Hope story. It's a beautiful story. And thank you for being a part of it. And Mark... God gets all the glory through you allowing him to use you to invest and invite this guy whose life was unraveling before you. Well done. Uh, proud of you, man. Great story. Praise God. just want all of you to know that your life can truly count for the most significant thing on the planet. The greatest thing happening is souls being saved, sin being forgiven, heaven being populated. And hell losing ground. Like, like we really believe this stuff, church. And you can do this. You can, you can, I love this story because it was just a text. You can send a text. You can invite somebody to church. You can walk across the street. You can walk across a department at your workplace. You can reach out to somebody. And if you can talk to them about Jesus, praise God. But listen, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know how to quote scripture and walk them down the Romans road to salvation. All you have to do is be you. And make people a priority. Invest in them and when the Spirit moves, invite them to church, invite them to Christ. I mean, guys, we live in the greatest day in the world, I believe, to do outreach. Notice again, I use the evangelism word for outreach right there. I just, just whoop, skirted it. Like, social media? I mean, guys, you can use Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and think about this. People can end up in heaven because you've used social media to either tell them about Jesus or invite them to your church. That's why we have invest and invite cards at all of our campuses, in the bathroom, on the tables, in the rotunda. You should get 10 every week. We'll keep putting them there as long as you'll grab them. Just get them, keep them with you. You're talking to somebody, waiter, waitress, somebody at work, neighbor, whatever. Give them a card. Hey, we'd love to have you at New Hope Church. Everybody can invite somebody to church. And they show up week in and week out. And the Spirit of God moves as all of these parts and pieces and people create the New Hope experience. The Spirit of God moves and literally people 
are taken out of hell right into heaven for all eternity. You can do this. I can do this. And in my humble opinion, it's the only thing worth giving your life for anyway. I love how Mark had a burden for Mike. He used that language. Who who do you have a burden for? I love how Mark started to just invest in the relationship. I love how Mike Dew showed up here and he, he experienced this movement. And he, did you know, he said, it's what I've been looking for my whole life. He accepted Christ. He got baptized. Maybe you're here and you need to get baptized today. And maybe that will set you on the trajectory of letting your life be used by God to reach other people. FYI, no need to bring flippers and masks to the baptism. (laughs) This Mike Dew, let me tell you, he's a character. I love this guy. He's crazy. Which is why God's probably going to do great things with his life. Oh, by the way, I heard he got his job back since then. And I think he's over at North Raleigh helping North Raleigh launch. Do you see how it works? You can do this. You have to do this. Or you'll get to the end of your life. Listen closely and I'm done. You'll get to the end of your life. And I don't care what kind of wealth wealth you've accumulated how many homes you own how many cars you drive how many educational degrees hang on your wall you can get all the accolades and awards that this world has to offer but I can promise you you can write it down and underline it in red at the end of the day it doesn't satisfy your soul There's only one thing that will satisfy your soul. That is a relationship with Jesus Christ and then allowing Him to use you to bring others into the same relationship. I'm going to invite Rowan, our worship leader, out at this time. And I'm going to ask us to sing a song. (laughs) It's a... It's the old favorite, man. It's the old classic. It's the one that you sing the loudest to. It's the one that many of you love the most. We're going to do Amazing Grace. And we're doing that song intentionally today because as you sing it, I actually want you to just enjoy it as you always do and think about how God's grace has saved you. Think about how if you're anything like me, you were just a wretch. I don't care how good you were. You were all a bunch of wretches before you met Jesus. I, like Paul, could say, you know, I don't say this with pride. It's actually, I'm, I'm, I'm broken over my life before Christ. Like, I was the chief of all sinners. So if you're new here, I'm not casting stones. We were all a bunch of wretches compared to the holiness of God. So I want you to sing this song and experience the grace of God today. But I want you to do another thing. I want you to do something a little differently today. As you're singing it, I want you to think about who in your sphere of influence, who in your relationships, who in your circles, who in your family, who in your workplace, who wherever, would God want you to start praying for, caring for, investing in, and inviting them to Christ or your church home? 
Maybe we can do two things today. Maybe we can just worship and enjoy the grace of God, but maybe that same grace can thrust us right out into the world to reach more people. Let's just stay seated for this one. We'll stand up in a moment and blow it up with one final song, but let the tension and the weight in the room just stay here and let's worship God. Oh, God, I've been separated. 
Father, thank you for the Christ Spirit that's dwelling in this place right now. For the hearts that are tender before you, many of them burdened for neighbors and friends. And Father, I pray that this message would ripple out into the years ahead. God, I pray that every single person here every single person watching this on television or any of our campuses. Father, on the internet, anywhere around the globe, I pray for every single person that they would actually experience the thrill of knowing that their one and only life made an eternal difference in the life of someone and that because we lived, God, heaven would be more crowded. So God, use us Send us out from this place. Keep our hearts before you where, where your people are priority. Where we just keep investing and inviting, investing and inviting everywhere we go. And as a result, God, the party, the kingdom party, just continues to, to happen at New Hope Church week in and week out, God. And that we will actually carry that celebration right into heaven where we will celebrate and worship you forever. I love the last part of the traditional version of that song. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've known less days to sing your praise than when we first begun. God, we want to sing your praise and celebrate you day in, day out, Sunday in, Sunday out. So thank you for just walk across the room. Your people have heard. Your people are, are dialed into you and your spirit right now. Father, it would be so remiss of me if I just ended without actually acknowledging that there would be people here today that they're here like Mike do. They're here because somebody invited them. And they need you. And today has clearly communicated to them just how important they are to you and to us. And what they need more than anything is not to go out and reach other people. They need to actually allow the grace of God to come in and reach them right now. And if that's you and you need Jesus and you know it, why don't you just say, Lord Jesus, I need to be born again.
Lord Jesus, I need you into my life. Like that Buddhist dude, Mike, I, I need you. And you are what I've been searching for my whole life. So come into my life. I am a sinner. I am a wretch. And I need you to be my Savior. I accept what you did on the cross for me. I will follow you, Lord, from this day forward to the best of my ability. I am yours. I am a child of the King. Born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just celebrated that, you just received Christ in any of these sections here, anywhere around the movement, we are so excited for you. Welcome home. Woo! Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.